Unlock me! Unlock me! I'm not gonna swear, okay? You know what I'm saying? Um, no. It's Mark Grody on 670 The Score. Oh, hi, Mark. Hi! I'm so glad I have a four-hour show tonight because there is a ton of substance about which to speak tonight. Happy Monday. It's a Mark Grody show. It's Monday night, Mark. I'm here with you until 10 tonight. Like I said, right here on Chicago Sports Radio 670, the score. And I want to hear from you for sure. We are interactive at all times on my watch. 312-644-6767 is the phone number. That is also the same line on which you can text message me, but I want to hear from you. 312-644-6767, the number my guy Brandon Fryer is the man to whom you will speak in our downtown Chicago studios if you do wish to call us, which I hope you do at 312-644-6767. I am available on Twitter for you 24 hours a day. I do take a few hours off to sleep, just like I hope you do. But I'm on Twitter, at Mark Grody Sports. I'm on Instagram as well, and Facebook. You can find me in all those hot spots that we all like to have our discussions in and on and all over the place. So come on in, 312-644-6767. There's so much going on with the, the Cubs and the White Sox and the Bears, and I'm going to get to them all. I, I will I will break down exactly what the Cubs have done, and, and I will use it with three cuts from the Cubs president of baseball operations, Jed Hoyer, who was a guest on the score earlier today with Bernstein and Rahimi. So the big three coming from Jed Hoyer a little bit later on, I I will explain to you best why the Cubs have done what they have done and why it's not as bad as you might think it is. And I also will do it from the perspective of one who covered this team very closely for three years from 2015 to 17 as the pre and post game host of the Chicago Cubs. So I promise we will get into all that is Cubsness and everything that has gone on, everything that we think will go on, that will happen a little bit later on in the show. The White Sox, who are off today, by the way, just like the Cubs, they host Kansas City tomorrow, and we have a bullpen to talk about as far as the White Sox are concerned. It has not been good this year, the White Sox bullpen, until now, I think. I'm pretty sure, actually, that the bullpen is going to be very good from here on out, but we will we will get into some of that. The name that I have circled in all of this is not necessarily Craig Kimbrell and Liam Hendricks. I mean, it is, but I've also put a star and a question mark and a circle and a highlight around Michael Kolpak because I think that he deserves all of those things. So we'll, we'll zero in a little bit more on, on Michael Kopeck a little bit later on as far as the, the White Sox are concerned. Big day today at Hallis Hall, and that's because there were quarterbacks a-talking, including Justin Fields for the first time in training camp as a Chicago Bear. He spoke to the assembled media, so I'll bring you a couple of key cuts from that. There were two that I counted that I thought were really interesting. Um, you know, it, it was good to hear from Justin Fields. He comports himself extremely well. You could tell he he ha- knows how to handle the media from having had big-time college experience at Ohio State. But I'll bring you a couple key cuts from him. And boy, did Nick Foles have some things to say today. He... Um, He's the number three quarterback, but it sounds like he would still like to be a number one quarterback and not necessarily with the Chicago Bears. So we will talk about all of that coming up. As a matter of fact, my guy, my buddy, the guy whom I sit next to out at Hallis Hall, Chris Emma, 
of 670thescore.com will join us to talk about the Bears. A little dirty little secret, I was not at the Bears today because I'm here with you right now. I'll be at Soldier Field, though, tomorrow morning when the Bears will be hitting for the first time. So lots coming up on the Cubs, Sox, and the Bears. But how about the Bulls? They're like... Cubs and Sox and Bears getting all this attention. We're going to swoop on in here for a little piece of the action. They have themselves a point guard. It's been the one thing that the Bulls have been lacking. They were supposed to have had a point guard when they drafted Kobe White. That was kind of the idea, and Thomas Sadoransky. But it turns out the Bulls never really had a point guard. So guess what? And this is not official yet, but the Bulls have reportedly agreed to a deal with Lonzo Ball. Lonzo Ball agrees to a four-year, $85 million deal with the Chicago Bulls in a sign-and-trade. So, of course, being that it's a sign-and-trade, there is more to it, and that would be the Bulls' trade guard, just mentioned, Thomas Sadoransky and defensive expert Garrett Temple to the New Orleans Hornets, for a, excuse me, Pelicans, for a second-round pick as well. And this is per, I should give credit where credit is due because the guy that is breaking all the news and we are all sprouting off of it is Sham Sharania of The Athletic. Let me read it so it sounds a little bit more clear to you. Ball agrees on a four-year, $85 million deal with the Bulls in a sign-and-trade. The Bulls will trade guard Thomas Sadoransky and Garrett Temple and a second-round pick to New Orleans. So that is what has gone down with the Chicago Bulls today. We are waiting to hear that it is absolutely official. In about 10 minutes from now, we will talk to one of our Bulls insiders, and that would be Cody Westerland of 670thescore.com. Lonzo Ball last year averaged 14.6 points per game, 5.7 assists, 31 minutes per game over 55 games last year. Of course, it was the shortened pandemic season. Shot 41.4% overall, a pretty good 37.8% from three. So the shooting stats are pretty good. But what Lonzo Ball is going to be asked to do is to come in and be a traditional old school, distribute the ball to the big boys point guard. That's what Lonzo Ball is expected to be. You add him now to that group of, well, your two primary scorers of Zach Levine and Nikola Vucevic. The jury is still out on Patrick Williams for sure. Same deal for Kobe White. Yes, Lowry Markkinen is still a Chicago Bull, as is as is Thad Young. Uh, a question I want to ask you Bulls fans. We've got it. We've got a few minutes to take some of your calls here regarding this move at 312-644-6767. What is this trade worth to the Bulls? 312-644-6767. The Bulls last year were a 31 and 41 basketball team. Not great. Not great. Um, with Billy Donovan in his first year as the head coach of the Chicago Bulls, Zach Levine was terrific all year. He missed a bunch of games due to the COVID-19 protocol towards the end of the season. They made the big, splashy move in getting Nikola Vucevic. You have the promising rookie in Patrick Williams as well. So those are the three guys, along with Lonzo Ball, to zoom in on right now to focus on, and can they make it work? The thing to remember is 
is we really never saw last year Zach Levine and Nikola Vucevic at full force in terms of like a consistent night-to-night spot-on chemistry. There definitely were nights, for sure. But when Vucevic was brought into the Bulls, that was supposed to be what put you into the playoffs last year. Like, that was supposed to happen. And it didn't. To me, it was extremely disappointing. There, There is that part. As great as the acquisition of Vucevic was, and still is, they haven't quite gotten it right yet, With with even with that group. Will Lonzo Ball help that? Definitely. I definitely think that he will. There, There is a restoring of orders. It's like when you bring in an ace pitcher, and all of a sudden, all those other guys who you didn't really know where they slotted it all falls into place. I think that's the same thing with Lonzo Ball, that it will now be Lonzo Ball's job to to figure out where everybody needs to be on the court, who needs to get the ball when, who needs to, what the, the manifestation of the players is, which will obviously go to Billy Donovan. But if Lonzo Ball can come in and do what he did and be like he was in New Orleans, and be a distributor and tell guys where they need to be on the floor so everybody gets theirs, which I think they can and will, then those guys will work. It's hard to just tell Zach Levine and Nikola Vucevic, both of whom need the basketball and need their points, and the Bulls aren't going to win if they don't get their points. Now you have a guy who doesn't have to have points. He's not a guy who's going to make a bunch of plays for himself. This is a guy who averaged, you know, close to 15 points a game. I mean, they're really perfect point guard numbers. I mean, I like to see the assist number go up a little bit. I think which it will, but he, I believe that he is a perfect piece to bring order to those guys. And it's not like they weren't weren't getting it, like Levine and Vucevic, and they get along perfectly. It just didn't happen last year. It did not happen. Like the Bulls, once they once they acquired Vucevic, they really should have been a postseason team. It was a disappointment that they were not, and part of it was getting those two guys used to playing with each other. Obviously, there were other shortcomings that existed with the Bulls, but that that was that's a biggie. I mean, you bring in Vucevic, you should be going to the postseason. It will be interesting, too, to see if, if Larry Markkinen will remain with the Chicago Bulls. He could be the next to go, but who knows how his game could improve with the bringing in of a professional point guard. Um, Kobe White's probably not going anywhere, but I don't know that for sure. And he began to get better at being a point guard, and he is still extremely young and can still possibly do it. But that's where the name Derrick Rose has popped up recently. There are some people that I've listened to that have that are really in the know in the NBA who say, no way, there's no way that's that's going to happen. He ain't coming back to Chicago. And then there are other people who say, you know what, yeah, that could happen. That is a possibility. Derrick Rose could be a good fit as the backup point guard on this, this Chicago Bulls team. But I, I like the move. I like that they did. It's only been talked about for like a year and a half. Like everything about the Bulls last year, there was the caveat. Even when things were going well, there was always the caveat of, well, they still need a point guard. No matter what. If there was a bad night, they still need a point guard. Good night. Well, you know what? They still. And you know what? How about Lonzo Ball? And for some reason, New Orleans, I guess that's a concern too. Why, why would New Orleans 
not want Lonzo Ball on their team. Who knows what they're building up or what they're trying to free up. But for right now, they have Tomas Sadoransky and Garrett Temple of the Bulls. So those are questions worth asking as well in terms of why did New Orleans not want to keep him and what are the hitches that might exist in his game. But he also seems like like Lonzo Ball comes across as a guy who is going to like legitimately get a little bit better, add more to his game every year. There, I mean, guys say that all the time in, in all sports. Like the goal is to get better, and but some guys never do. Some guys reach their ceiling. A lot of guys reach their ceiling early on in their careers, and they never truly get better and add things to their game. We've seen Lonzo Ball get better at his craft, especially in terms of shooting the three, where he is, again, 37.8% from the field. But I am more excited than anything about his ability to go out there and be a true point guard, a true general on the court, and make these guys work, man. Make make Zach Levine and Nikola Vucevic work. I don't think that this is, like, your big three now. Like, the... He is not on the, the level of Levine and Vucevic. I still think that there has to be that one more big dude that comes to the Bulls. And like th- this is not a finished product. It is a work in progress still. But I'll say it again, it, like I did last year, it was disappointing the Bulls didn't go to the postseason last year. And now more than ever, because you should, you should expect that those three will figure it out. That is Vucevic, Ball, and Levine. I am also expecting Patrick Williams to go to another level this year as well because he had a weird year last year. He started off really well, and then there was, I always think about his corner threes, like where he would take that shot, the the shot, the high-arcing shot to the ceiling, and he was sinking it, and then all of a sudden he stopped taking it. He became very hesitant. So I think that they have, they have tried to push him, and that's something they will work on and saying, hey, we want and need your scoring. We want you to be a bigger part of the team than you have been. We want more scoring from you. We want to continue to develop your defense, which has been relatively good as well. But yeah, I would think that Williams seems earnest in it. So he's got to take the next step. Vucevic and Levine have to be able to work together. I imagine Kobe White will probably still be working furiously on becoming a better NBA player because Lord knows he'd prefer to be starting and not coming off the bench one day, starting one day. And who knows about Lowry Markin? We've been asking about him way too much. Uh, I will ask a lot of these questions to our next guest. We're going to talk to Cody Westerland, who covers the Bulls for a living at 670thescore.com. He has been on this story. I'm looking forward to filling in some of the blanks with some of the questions that I have regarding his big Bulls trade here today. Lonzo Ball agrees on a four-year, $85 million deal with the Bulls and a sign-and-trade. The Bulls move Thomas Sadoransky and Garrett Temple, also a second-round pick to New Orleans. More Bulls talk Coming up, Bears at the top of the hour at 7. I'm Mark Grody at Chicago Sports Radio 670 The Score. You're going to be a big ball of family. Back door, hop outside, and Lonzo. They're on the same page. Or make it rather D'Angelo Russell. I don't want to pass. That is almost a full-court lob. Ball at it again. That one even more ridiculous. Ball, corner three. is good. Lonzo Ball with seven threes tonight. Lonzo Ball 
Shot 37.8% from the three last year. He is reportedly a Chicago Bull. That's right. Mark Grody with you here on Chicago Sports Radio 670. The score of the Bulls. Lonzo Ball agrees on a four-year, $85 million deal with the Bulls in a sign-and-trade. Bulls move guard Thomas Sadoransky and Garrett Temple in a second-round pick to New Orleans per Sham Sharania of the Athletics. So a bold move by the Bulls and uh, Arturis Karnaschovas and Mark Eversley and the the new top brass at the Bulls, like they do, making moves. The big move last year, of course, was Nikola Vucevic to go along with Zach Levine and the rest of that crew. And now add to the mix Lonzo Ball. It is Mark Grody here with you until 10 o'clock. We're talking Bulls right now. Coming up at 7 o'clock, we will talk to Chris M of 670thescore.com about the Chicago Bears and the big day today because Justin Fields spoke and so did Nick Foles. We will definitely talk about the White Sox and Cubs later on as well. But right now, let's keep the Bulls talk hot with Cody Westerlin of 670thescore.com. Cody, what did you think of the move? I like it, Grody. I like it a lot. I think this is exactly the type of the player the Bulls should have been eyeing. And I say that for a couple reasons. And one is that Lonzo Ball fits well with Zach Levine, in my opinion. And anything the Bulls need to do now, they should have Zach's best interests in mind for how it works on the floor. And Lonzo's not a guy who you're going to run 40 pick and rolls with like in the half court. So it's not like you're telling Zach Levine to go stand on the wing and shoot or spot up or anything. He's a guy who can slide off the ball, is very comfortable with the ball in his hands, obviously, but is also a really good passer, long, long defender at six foot six. There's a guy that can guard a couple positions in the backcourt and take kind of the premier matchup um, on the other team. So I just think he fills needs, which I think you've been talking about. A lot of us have been talking about here and it makes sense from what the bulls needed. Uh, Lonzo ball kind of gives them a little bit again, not your traditional. I know you used the word traditional point guard earlier and he is a point guard for sure in the sense of how he, he plays, but not traditional in like the way that you watch Chris Paul play for the Suns, just the ball in his hands in the half court, um, like every single possession. So, uh, I do like it a lot. 23 years old, going on 24, obviously. Uh, I think that age range makes sense, too, because um, you kind of splits the difference between Patrick Williams and Zach Levine, you know? So, like, you're kind of still balancing both worlds here. It's not like you're adding a veteran point guard and going all in for two years and then not having any options at the end of two years if it blows up or doesn't work out. So I like that, too. I thought the age range fit, and I kind of thought his skill set made sense. Give me a little bit more on that. So, and, and you said he's not like Chris Paul and that he, he's not always going to have the ball. What kind of a point guard is he in terms of that? You, you say like he's less shooting, more facilitating. Give, give him more of his identity then. Yeah, I mean, there's times last year, by the end of last year, the Pelicans were making Zion Williamson like their point guard. You know what I mean? So like Lonzo at times was a spot up shooter for them. And sometimes some people have described him as your traditional point guard in open space, in transition, in semi-transition, and then more of a wing player in the half court. But I think what's really key here, just because, what I mean by that too, Grody, is like, you're not just going to give Lonzo the ball and say, go beat your guy off the dribble and make something happen. It doesn't mean Mm -hmm. he can't, but like, he doesn't go to the hoop and get fouled like four times a game. Like he averages like less than two free throw attempts per game most of the time. So not a guy that's putting pressure on the rim possession after possession. But it is very key. 
he is a phenomenal passer, and that, I think, matters for the Bulls. Because, look, the Bulls moved the ball well last year in the sense that they were willing to move the ball. That was part of Billy Donovan's system. They spread the floor and shot a lot of three-pointers well. So, like, they were willing to do it, but I don't think they maximize the talent of everyone because they don't see the floor as well as someone like Lonzo can. Like, he can read it two possessions or two passes ahead, for example. In a sense where last year was kind of the Bulls, you know, dribble drive with Zach Levine, kick to the next guy, keep it moving. So, like, they were willing passers, but I don't think they were elite passers. This is a guy that's an elite passer, so that's a point guard trait. He's a guy who wants to share the basketball as his primary mechanism when he's out there on the floor on the offensive end. That's a point guard trait. So I think those things matter for them, but maybe not the pick and roll again and again and again and again type of guy. That's why I say he's not a traditional point guard in the way that some are in the NBA. But, you know, when it comes to the NBA and so many pick and rolls, like you look at the Lakers, it's LeBron who's huge running the pick and roll. You know what I mean? So um, it doesn't have to be the guy with PG written next to their name in the lineup card. Okay, that makes sense. So, and you also say that he's a guy that wants to share the basketball. And you said at the very beginning that in particular, Lonzo Ball's game will mesh well with Zach Levine. Is that the reason? Because he will share the basketball and Levine, as we know, works well with volume. Yeah, I mean, certainly that's one of the reasons. I think the other one is you mentioned that he's a 37.8% three-point shooter last year. Like, that's a pretty big uptick over his first few years in the NBA. So that was really good progress. But the other thing that's key there, like, he was doing that on high volume, you know. He's shooting six, seven, eight three-pointers a night. So it's not like he was just shooting two or three um, and having wide-open looks. Like, he was willing to shoot them again and again. So I think that matters. And the other part I would say, too, like, on the defensive end, he is long enough in a way that if the Bulls were going to sign a point guard who had size problems, like that puts a lot of pressure on Zach Levine to guard the starting shooting guard on the other team who could be a big guy. This is an assignment that Lonzo Ball could potentially take. So I think that's kind of how he fits in with Zach Levine. And look, I mean, Bulls could be lethal in the uh, in transition too. I know they slowed down a lot last year after the trade deadline when they got Um, Vooch and just kind of played more half-court ball, but in those moments when they have opportunity or when he goes to the bench, like Lonzo and Zach Zach Levine could be a lot of fun in transition, and that would be a high-quality, high-efficiency scoring area for the Bulls, potentially, and that's something they didn't take care of well enough last year, so I think that's an area to improve as well. That's the voice of Cody Westerland, covers the Bulls for 670thescore.com. I'm Mark Grody, here with you till 10 on Chicago Sports Radio 670thescore. So, Lonzo Ball with Zach Levine and Nikola Vucevic, does that automatically kind of bring order to, to that group, too? How much is he going to help that combination of players on the floor at the same time? You know, I... I would say it's not those two he helps the most, actually, Grody. Hmm, my, okay. my prediction would be he helps Pat Williams maybe more than anyone, just because I know last year like it felt like P. Will stood in the corner too often, which he did, and that was part of the game plan sometimes. Sometimes they want him to be more aggressive. But like if P. Will can cut to the hoop now, I think there's – he can if he can do that more I think there's more options for someone to find him you know like Lonzo Ball was really good at finding Zion Williamson which sometimes is really easy because you just throw it up really high at the (laughs) rim and Zion's gonna go get it no matter what but like he sees the game again in a way that others don't so I think he might help P. Will more than anyone because say that say what you want but like 
No one's growth, I think, was stunted more last year by the lack of a traditional point guard than Patrick Williams is because, like, that was just a lot to ask him for how to fit in, what to do at various times on the floor. And try as Zach Levine might, he's not a traditional point guard. So, like, he's going to make the smartest read near him that's obvious, you know? And I know I know you see him improve with that as it goes, but, like, when it comes possession after possession, like, Zach's probably going to break someone down off the dribble, kick it to the guy on the wing who's open for a three, or dump it off to Thad Young, obviously, um, in the pocket or whatnot. But I think Lonzo Ball can see a little bit more, and maybe Patrick Williams um, they can take advantage of that, for example. So uh, I just think I always go back to young guys, rookies like that. Second year guys really, really can benefit from a point guard who understands the game well and is a willing passer in a way that um, some other Bulls haven't been. I mean, Kobe White, obviously, you brought him up. He's got a shoulder injury, had surgery in June. So he'll probably miss the start of training camp early part of the season. Like when he was at point guard, Man, he made progress and, and was a guy that, like, you, you really like the work that he put in, his mentality, but he's not a pass-first point guard. That's just not how he operates. So, like, that was hard on Patrick Williams at times. I think this takes some of the burden off Kobe and Zach and can really help with P-Will, too. So, which isn't to say it can't help Zach and Vooch. I just, I just think those guys will still operate as the one-two and be what they were, whereas P-Will can be a little bit more comfortable now. That makes sense. And, and you know, Lonzo Ball will be your starting point guard. Is Kobe White going to be the backup point guard on this team? Where, where does he fit in at this point? And do the Bulls need to go out and still sign another point guard? I do not think the Bulls need to sign another point guard. I would use my mid-level exception probably on a wing player, on a small forward. Because, like, Garrett Temple's leaving the Bulls here, obviously, was hitting free agency anyways, leaving the Bulls here in a sign-and-trade agreement to get Lonzo. I think you have enough ball handling with Lonzo Zach Levine and Kobe White already and I would go get a wing I just think those are really important at this point in the year and I know I know Danny Parkins wants Derrick Rose to come back I know you were talking about him Grody too but like <laughs> I think it's required think we have to mention Derrick Rose it's absolutely, required absolutely but yeah, I think yeah. this deal puts Kobe in his correct slot which is probably the sixth man off the bench who can handle the ball a lot on a second unit who's comfortable running point guard for a while but doesn't need to be running point guard for 35 36 minutes a game so like isn't isn't Derrick Rose a little redundant with Kobe White if you were to add him at this point unless there's a different plan to trade Kobe which we haven't heard of at this point or anything and that's a guy I want to build around that's a guy who's young core like I want to keep Lonzo Kobe and Pat Williams so I kind of have a younger generation in addition to my two all-stars and balance both worlds as best as you can there so I think Derrick Rose would be redundant and I think it would be smarter to sign a small forward with that mid-level exception or some sort of wing someone who can factor into there because the other kind of subplot of this is that, yeah, Patrick Williams can still start at small forward. Yes, Thad Young's still on the team and can be highly productive for the Bulls. But I do think it's important that Pat Williams gets more minutes at power forward this year because um, it feels like that's the modern NBA and that's maybe where he can be best utilized um, eventually as he develops in his career. So I would eye a small forward, a wing type player. Um, instead of Derrick Rose or another point guard, but we'll have to see how it pans out because uh, this Lonzo deal obviously was was on everyone's radar, but not all the moves the Bulls have made since AK got in charge have been on the radar. So some of some of the suspense still uh, lies ahead here. The other guy I'm required to ask you about, and this is usually the point in time in the interview when we do this, what about Lowry Markkinen? Is he going to be a Bull next year? I do not think he'll be a Bull. Uh, if anyone wants him in a sign and trade, I'm sure the 
the Bulls will try to get back a rotation player um, from that team. I know the Spurs obviously have been connected to him in the rumor mill. Uh, I think I just saw on Twitter before I went on air that Doug McDermott was finalizing a deal with them, so that takes away some of their cap space. I'm not sure uh, their exact situation for, for Lowry Markinen in that situation, but I don't expect him to to get a massive offer right away here in free agency or anything. Like He's definitely a Tier 3 or 4 player, it feels like, in free agency, so it could be a few days, and maybe this is breaking on Twitter right now and it's all moot, but it seems like it could take a couple days for Lowry to assess his best options and get a deal that he wants, but I, I think in an ideal world, the Bulls would probably like to keep Thad Young and then flip Lowry Markkinen for a wing or a rotation player and then use that... Um, mid-level exception, which is $9-10 million annually there, to get another quality rotation player, and then I think you're on to something. But that doesn't completely rule out Lowry Markkinen returning to the Bulls because it's not like the Bulls hated Lowry or anything. They just didn't like him whatsoever at the price that his camp wanted last December when they were having negotiations. And then I think he lost his starting job, which certainly points at an exit when you lose your starting job and turn into a role player late in the year. But that doesn't mean they don't value his shooting. I mean, he shot over 40% on three-pointers. He was posting career-best shooting numbers. So, like, I think there's certainly a price point where the Bulls would feel comfortable with bringing Lowry Markkinen back as a role player, as a bench guy. I don't know that that's what he wants. I know he's told NBC Sports Chicago, I think, that he wants to be a starting basketball player in the NBA and feels that's what he is. Um, that's usually the attitude of everyone. And then free agency hits and you get a reality check with that. So we'll have to see. But certainly, um, I think it's more likely than not that Lowry Markin is gone. I think the Bulls absolutely perfect world. Somehow flip him in a sign and trade for, for just a player who you can add to the rotation um, and feel like you got a little bit of value back for him without letting him walk for nothing. But um, there's so many balls in the air at the same time that everyone's juggling that um, you got to see how everything else kind of uh, where everyone signs with other teams before you can sometimes see what you want to do with Lowry Markkinen. Lonzo Ball is a bull. We're talking about it with Cody Westerlin of 670thescore.com. I'm Mark Grody. The Bulls last year, Cody, 31-41. and 41. I thought disappointing that they did not make the playoffs seen as they brought in Nikola Vucevic. I know there are reasons for it. But where does this put the Bulls, do you think? This move and then the improvement, hopefully, of Patrick Williams, another year of Vucevic. Where does it put the Bulls in the mix in the Eastern Conference next year, looking at it as your rough draft blueprint right now? And I, I get where we are very early. Absolutely. You got to go make the playoffs now if you're the Bulls. No doubt about that. No excuses. I feel like we try to hold them to no excuses before, but they always make them anyway when they miss <laughs> the playoffs for whatever reason. But um, this this has to be a playoff team right now or something seriously wrong by way of how your pieces fit or how the coaching's being done. Um, so I, I have the expectation that the Bulls should be a playoff team. Um, I don't think... They're certainly still got the Bucks ahead of them. You got you got the 76ers ahead of them. Uh, the Nets are going to be better, I would expect. Um, I, they could be in the mix with a team like the Celtics. I expect the Heat to be better now that they got Kyle Lowry as well. So I by no means, I don't think, are the Bulls cracking the top four in the East. But, like, if you're the Bulls, like, I think a reasonable goal would be to take a jump like the New York Knicks took last year. And I think the Knicks ended up with the four seed in a weird COVID season. I don't think it'll be... Uh, quite as weird by way of player attrition um, at times for, for this next season. So it's probably a little harder to surprise at a high level. Hawks obviously coming off um, an Eastern Conference Finals appearance. So to me, it still feels like maybe that's the, the first five in the East. But 
there's no reason the Bulls can't go out there, play good basketball, and be the sixth seed, right, and, like, get in a first-round series and be really competitive and have it feel like you have a chance to, to win or, or have a chance to maybe be in a game five, tied 2-2 in the first round and feel like you got some momentum there um, by way of your organizational progress. But, no, this, this does not catapult them, I don't think, into the top four in the East by any means. But I would say in the back end of the playoff picture, and when I talk playoff, Grody, I'm not talking about Bulls need to go get a 9 or 10 seed and be in a play-in game. Like, they right. need to be in the traditional 18 playoff playing a seven-game first-round series because that's what this signing should mean to them, and that's a logical step in their organizational growth chart. Or or growth plate, I guess, to steal a Ooh. line from, from Jim Boylan from the old days, the, the organizational growth plate. Hey, man, in this case, it truly is true. The past is for cowards and losers. We don't want to go back to that, Cody. No growth plate, sir. We had a lot of good quotes that will live forever, but I don't <laughs> yes, think we did. I don't think we need to to go back. No, no, we don't. You've had enough of that, Cody. Great stuff as always. I'll be talking to you. I'm sure soon more about these Chicago Bulls. Thanks, man. Yep, appreciate it, Grody. You got it. That is Cody Westerland of 670thescore.com. You should follow him right now on Twitter. He is on Twitter at Cody. Westerland, W-E-S-T-E-R-L-U-N-D. He'll be writing a lot about the Bulls and this move that they have made. The Bulls again, Lonzo Ball, four-year, $85 million deal with the Bulls and a sign-and-trade. The Bulls move guard Thomas Sadoransky, Garrett Temple, and a second-round pick to New Orleans. That is the deal that is in place. I don't know if it's been made official. I mean, full credit to uh, Sham Sharania of The Athletic for getting the ball rolling on this one. Wow, didn't even mean to say that. Lonzo Ball. Um, so full credit to him. I'm checking my email as we are speaking, and I am not seeing the official Chicago Bulls press release, but we'll let you know when when that does go down. I'm sure it will. No funny stuff at all. But let's continue to talk about the Bulls. If you want to weigh in on this, 312-644-6767. What is this trade worth to the Chicago Bulls? And are you like Cody? who said, no, this is not where you squeak into the playoffs and get in a play-in game. This is where you are, you know, a six or a seven seed, and you're a real-ass playoff team now because of of Lonzo Ball. 312-644-6767. I'm Mark Grody. It's Chicago Sports Radio 670, the score. The fact that he'll play defense, he's 6'6", he's a good passer, and he can make that open three now. When he came into the league, he had that janky jump shot, the horrible form where you didn't know what, where that ball was going. But he shot almost 38% from the three-point line last year on a, on a high volume of attempts. I think that he's a good fit with Zach Levine. I think he'll feed the post to make sure that Vucevic gets the ball where he wants it. I think he fits very well with the type of team that AK and Mark Eversley are trying to build. It's just a question of the mechanism that they're going to use to bring him in. Mark Grody with you on Chicago Sports Radio 670. The score, that was Mark Shanowski of ABC7 earlier today on the score with Bernstein and Rahimi anticipating a potential deal with Lonzo Ball to the Bulls. And it has happened. Lonzo Ball is a bull. Agrees to a four-year, $85 million deal and a sign and trade. Thomas Sadoransky, Garrett Temple, and a second-round pick going to New Orleans is the way the report is going down as we wait to make this, this trade official. But it looks like it is locked in. I do like the fact that Shanowski used the word janky. Janky. A janky jump shot. I can honestly say 
in all the words that I use and have heard and, you know, at times studied, I have never heard the word janky. But I'm going to try, I'm going to try my darndest to use the word janky as much as possible going forward now. What is this trade worth to the Chicago Bulls? What should it be worth to them? 312-644-6767, the number. Let's go to Jim in Bloomingdale. Hi, Jim, you're on the score. Hey, how you, how you doing? I'm well, Jim. What's going on? Very, very excited. Very excited. I was hoping for this move last year at the trade deadline. I was, I was, I was picturing it in my head how it would look, and I was getting excited. And then they got Booch, which was great too. I didn't expect that. And now that you got now that you got Ball facilitating, running the show, he's not. He doesn't care how many points he scores. He plays great D. He could dish. It's going to be a completely different ball game. And I think you guys are spot on about the about the sixth seed uh, mm-hmm. in the East, probably. And yeah. uh, and I'm happy with that because we're we're just building, and this is one of the pieces that we need. Right, and and I appreciate the call, Jim. And yeah, that was Cody Westerland who said this is yeah this this puts the Bulls in a legitimate playoff spot. It, if you consider six that, but you know what I'm saying? The Bulls were not a playoff team last year because they have Lonzo Ball. This doesn't mean like it's baby steps and we think they can, we think they can like get into a play-in game. That was Cody's point, And I actually totally and completely agree with him. There should be high expectations for the Bulls this year. Had they not signed Lonzo Ball to this deal, I thought there should have been playoff expectations for the Bulls. There were playoff expectations for the Chicago Bulls last year. They blew it last year. When they, when they got Nikola Vucevic, the Bulls should have been, and, and I, I suppose we could have allowed for the squeaking into the playoffs and that being a big step for a team that is heading in a new direction and for all practical purposes in the midst of a rebuild with Arturis Karnaschovas having taken over from John Paxson. They should have made the playoffs last year. You, I would have accepted a lower seed or a higher seed last year. But no, next year you shouldn't. You should have expectations for the Chicago Bulls. There's no easing into it. There's no let's let's develop and all of that. Nope, nope. You got Nikola Vucevic, who is what, 30, 31 years old? Still good years left in him. But, that, I mean, you still have to circle that. And I know that we've talked about that. But He's your window, right? He's your window right now. Not not Zach Levine because he's still young. Obviously, Patrick Young or because of Pat Williams is ridiculously young. Same with Kobe White, um, and with Lonzo Ball. Lonzo Ball is 23, but but you do want to make the most of Nikola Vucevic and keep him in. Let's just say he's got three more years, including next year, of being what he is right now a terrific offensive big man and who who is versatile and can do a lot of things and we know how smart of a player he is and all of that let's just say you have three more years so it the time is now to to execute and get the bulls as high as possible in in a playoff spot and go as deep as possible into the postseason I will say it again, though, too, that as exciting as the Lonzo Ball signing is, and it is for lots of reasons, mainly because, number one being, they absolutely, that you could see games where you're like, ooh, God, yeah, they could really use a legitimate point guard. Lonzo Ball is not like the big, the third to a big three. You have two two guys who I think are legitimate in that regard when we talk about the big threes of the NBA, which is the way that most teams go in terms of trying to get to a championship. You still just have two. 
Zach Levine and Nikola Vucevic. And then Lonzo Ball is a really good piece, but I don't have to tell you, it's not like he's a superstar or even a star. He's just a guy who is a really good point guard who probably can make all of these guys better. Bring order to Zach Levine and Nikola Vucevic, and Cody Westerlin brought up a great point, too, about how this is going to help Patrick Williams. And he, there's going to be a lot of things with Patrick Williams this year. I mean, he's going to have a, you know, another full offseason um, in which to learn and to become a better player on his own, even without Lonzo Ball. But having Lonzo Ball there to direct things and execute, like facilitate plays for Patrick Williams as well. Because Patrick Williams, there was like a slow fade with Patrick Williams last year where he just had a couple of big games, a fast start, and then he became a little bit gun-shy, not taking the same shots that he had been taking. Um, But I think now he's going to have like literally better positioning on the court because of Lonzo Ball and what he can bring. So I think it's exciting to think about that and just what a and this could have been other players too. It didn't have Lonzo Ball is a guy that was talked about a lot last year and a lot of people recognized the fit. A lot of the NBA insiders, guys like Cody Westerlin on our staff, knew that that was the type of guy who would fit in with the Bulls. But there were many other point guards who could have done the same thing, come in here. They just needed that guy. And now he's here, and we could stop talking about that and figure out what is the next step. And eventually, eventually with the Bulls, bring in another superstar. Because I'll tell you, Arturis Karnaschovas is not done. Like, I feel like his his best work is still ahead. Uh, the, and I'm not trying to get all greedy here, because the Vucevic thing was terrific. Unexpected and a, a magnificent, marvelous deal. I like the way he seems to be evaluating Zach Levine, heading for hopefully a max contract with the Bulls. It seems that he sees that in him. And then to recognize that they need a point guard and to go out and get him. So far, so good for our Taurus Kardashovas. And I'm always careful when evaluating... GMs in any sport after they replace a guy who at the end had um, had not been so good. And I was going to use the word fail with John Paxson, but I'm one of those guys who does think that there was good in John Paxson because I keep using the phraseology restored order. He did do that for the Bulls after what was completely awful under Jerry Krause and when Bill Cartwright was the head coach. He cleaned up the whole Eddie Curry, Tyson Chandler, Jamal Crawford mess and got the Bulls into a better place in the, you know, the Kirk Heinrich, Ben Gordon, Andres Nocioni, Lou Aldang era. And I get it. That was that was a middling team, but a team he did restore order to the franchise. He did get the Bulls into the Eastern Conference Finals. Um, where they eventually failed against the Miami Heat. But it wasn't all bad for John Paxson. But it is my long-winded way of saying that when you have a guy who was on a downside, you replace him. I, I don't want to just jump in and say that Arturis Karnaschovas, I am positive he is going to be great. Everything is still very relative to the last regime. So far, so good. And I, I think they're headed in the right direction. But... We'll still wait to give the official grade on our tourist Karnaschovas and Mark Eversley and Billy Donovan while we're at it as well. All right. That was a great Bulls hour. Coming up next, though, 
a full day at Bears camp in Lake Forest. My guy, Chris Emma, 670thescore.com, was there. He'll tell us what he saw in training camp today and what he heard from the quarterbacks, those specifically Justin Fields and Nick Foles. Many Bears questions coming up next. I'm Mark Grody. It's Chicago Sports Radio 670 The Score.